This is MPN. To movie matchup. I'm Casey. And I'm Grace. A podcast where we talk in depth about two movies with a common theme. And at the end, we'll talk about menu items you can enjoy while having your movie marathon. Grace, what is this week's theme? This week's theme is Immortality Loves Company. Yay! Yay! Uh, and our first pick for this theme is. Uh, the Old Guard, which is a, a pretty new movie that just came out on Netflix. The synopsis for The Old Guard is a covert team of immortal mercenaries are suddenly exposed and must now fight to keep their identity a secret just as an unexpected new member is discovered. <gasps> and our second movie uh, is a movie that came out the exact same day <laughs> on Hulu, and it is Palm Springs. In Palm Springs uh, is stuck in a time loop. Two wedding guests develop a budding romance while living the same day over and over again. It's funny because when we first thought to pair these two movies up, I was a little like, eh. <laughs> but watching both of them uh, close to each other, I realized just how many similarities they actually do have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of similar themes, which we'll get into. <laughs> but let's get started with the old guard so uh we start off meeting uh charlie's Theron's character uh andy um and uh a few more uh of our group of immortals <laughs> booker joe and nikki and they all meet up in marrakesh uh, which i may be mispronouncing somewhere in morocco i believe um <laughs> And it's clear they haven't seen each other in a while. We learn later that it's been about a year since they were all around each other. And we don't know a lot about these characters. They don't they don't really give us a lot of like expository dialogue at this point. But you do get the sense that they're very old friends that uh, know each other really well. There's a great scene where uh, Nikki gifts uh, Andy some baklava. And um, then he immediately places a bet with Booker. And we're not sure what they're betting on. Um, but then uh, Andy has to essentially taste the baklava and determine where it came from. <laughs> and it's just a cute little scene. I was reminded of, um, like, the very awkward dialogue in Reign of Fire when, <laughs> when Christian Bale's best friend is like, I'm your best friend. Like, <laughs> I'm going to tell you all of this information that you clearly already know <laughs> and is only for the audience's benefit. <laughs> But yes, we avoid that kind of thing here <laughs> and still get a sense of how well these these uh, people know each other. And then we find out that uh, Booker has a contact who wants this group to go uh, and um, save this uh, group of uh, schoolgirls who are sort of being held hostage in uh, Sudan. Um, his name is Copley. They've apparently worked for him before. He used to work with the CIA. They have a rule against repeats but they decide to break it because it seems like a worthy cause i suppose yeah um so they head off to sudan they break into the school there's lots of awesome action <laughs> <laughs> happening uh shooting and fighting and whatnot 
Um, and then all four of them get into a room and are suddenly surrounded on all sides by people with guns <laughs> and are shot down in just a barrage, like hail of gunfire. Yeah. Like so many bullets. <laughs> riddled. Yeah, they're riddled with bullets. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> it is very graphic. Uh, anyway, so they're all four lying seemingly dead on the floor, which is then when we find out sort of the... Um, the hook of this movie which is that uh, all of them are actually immortal and so they all heal up and then it's sort of their turn <laughs> against all the yes. people who, yeah. <laughs> who just killed them and uh, take out everybody else and uh, they realize that um, there were never any girls who were being held uh, there they were set up by Copley Copley who's played by by the way uh, how I'm gonna she would tell Edgy a four thank you <laughs> Who I have loved since Dirty yeah. Pretty Things, and I still have never learned how to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> but he's great. So they realized that uh, Copley knew what they were, that they that they were immortal, and he set them up in order to get uh, video footage of them. Um, so they have to they have to find him and kill him, basically, unless they want to get captured. And you know, who knows what they don't know at this point what he wants to do with them but it's probably not good uh at the same time we are introduced to Niall who is a marine in Afghanistan and she is working she's uh attempting to find uh a man in Afghanistan um who uh is uh in hiding um and uh they get a lead they go in and in sort of self-defense, she shoots him, uh, like, in the chest area. Um, but they need him alive. So she's attempting to save his life. And as she's kneeling over him, he takes a, a knife and he slashes her throat. And she dies. Um, but twisty twist. <laughs> she's actually a brand new immortal. So she doesn't die. And uh, as she's sort of healing up, uh, we see our group... Uh, sleeping on a train, we assume on their way back from Sudan, I guess, and they all have a dream of her, and when they wake up, they sort of have to piece together where she is and who she is based on uh, the details that they got in their dream. Um, they're all, they kind of debate whether they're going to go get her or not, because it's not a good time, what with <laughs> uh, some guy who wants to capture them uh, out there. Um but they ultimately decide that she's kind of like a beacon to them if, if she were to be discovered. So they, they need to go and sort of bring her in. Andy leaves the rest of the group to go do that. Uh, at the same time, Niall is dealing with um, a bunch of people who are really weirded out by the fact that she's not dead. And <laughs> uh, she's uh, supposed to be sent for tests. Little, little sketchy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Somewhere. Uh, but before she can uh, go, Andy shows up, knocks her out, and throws her into a car, driving her to a plane when Niall wakes up and escapes from the back of the, the car while it's driving. Uh, so Andy stops, walks out, and calmly shoots her in the head. <laughs> yeah. Explains the whole you're immortal now thing and tells her to get back in the car if she wants some answers, which she does, because yeah. what else is she going to do? Yeah. <laughs> And then on the plane, Niall sort of starts to 
question. Uh, you know, she doesn't really trust Andy, and she's starting to question whether what happened actually did happen. She sort of starts to convince herself that uh, she was hypnotized and, and she shot her with a blank or something like that. Um, so basically, while Andy is asleep, she ties her up and attempts to take control over um, the plane. Um, but Andy gets loose, and then they have a little hand-to-hand fight, um, which is a whole lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing takes place in, like, this little plane, and so they're, like, bouncing off of the walls and stuff. Um, but also, I was thinking about, like, just fight scenes in general and, like, what makes them good. And um, I was kind of reminded of, like, what I like about musical numbers and musicals is... I feel like the best ones, they sort of progress the story while they're happening. Not like a hard and fast rule. I've got, you know, exceptions to this in movies that I love. But, <laughs> you know, something like a, a West Side Story or, or A Sound of Music, you know, the, the songs all give you something in the way of, like, character progression or relationship building or something like that. And it's the same way with this fight scene. Like, it sort of starts out and Niall and Andy are sort of butting heads. They're... They're uh, on opposite sides here. And through the fight, you kind of, you get more information about the two of them. Like, it's very much a sort of, like, mentor-apprentice type of fight where you can you can tell that Andy is in control <laughs> this the entire time. Yeah. She can put a stop to this whenever she wants to. But she's getting a sense of how Niall fights. And so you sort of see her when, uh, like, Niall gets a, gets a good hit in. Uh, and she kind of stumbles back and then she kind of smiles like she's impressed. Through the fight, they sort of gain maybe a mutual respect for each other. Like Andy eventually has to put a stop to it by breaking Niall's arm and leg, yeah. which <laughs> in addition to showing just how, you know, much better of a fighter Andy is, also uh, has the effect of giving her some sort of tangible uh, proof that she is immortal and that she, she does heal yeah. all the time. Um, so then now they're at this point in the relationship where Niall is willing to maybe not trust Andy, but, uh, she's willing to go along with, with whatever she says for the sake of like her knowing what's happening. (laughs) Yeah. And then we get to Paris and Niall meets up with the rest of the group. We get, uh, some backstory for the rest of them. They're all, uh, were soldiers of some kind before they became immortal. Uh, Booker is the youngest one after Niall, who was, uh, uh, I think, a soldier in Napoleon's army. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Joe and Nikki were on opposite sides of the Crusades, <laughs> who uh, killed each other a bunch of times. Yeah. <laughs> and then Andy, we don't know exactly how old she is, though there is some, like, you can kind of speculate. She's called uh, Andromica the Scythian, which that that name Andromica actually comes up a few times in like ancient Greek myths and stuff like that. So it's kind of implied, I think, that she was maybe the basis for at least a few of those. <laughs> uh, one of them was uh, like an Amazon queen, which seems to fit the bill, I think. <laughs> Uh, so Niall's feeling a little overwhelmed with uh, the information that she's going to for a very, very long time. But she does learn that it is possible to die, but they don't know when. Uh, 
Andy uh, knew someone uh, a long time ago who did eventually die. Their wounds just stopped healing. Um, but it seems like it's going to be a very, very long time, especially for Niall, before that happens. Yeah. <laughs> so they all go to sleep. And then uh, Niall has a horrible nightmare that wakes everyone up. Yeah. <laughs> see Casey's face. It's tough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so she was, she was dreaming about a woman who was trapped at the bottom of the ocean who just kept drowning over and over again. And uh, Joe and Nick, that there is another immortal named Quinn, um, who uh, Andy and them knew for a long time. And uh, I think older than uh, Joe and Nikki as well. But, um, when they were uh, like 500 years ago or so, they were freeing people from uh, trials <laughs> and uh, they themselves were accused of witchcraft. And of course, I had to kill them and it was, wasn't possible, which just seemed to, to prove that they were indeed witches. Um, and Quinn, who by the way is our girl, uh, Paige Tico from The Last Jedi. <laughs> I don't know if you realized that. <laughs> I didn't, but that makes perfect sense. Um, so Quinn was taken and put into an Iron Maiden and then dropped off somewhere, uh, and she has been down there for 500 years, uh, and it looked for her for several decades, but wasn't able to, uh, find her. Yeah. So because what happened to Quinn is, is terrible, yeah. but also I was realizing that because, uh, you know, the works is that they dream of each other until they meet. Booker has therefore been having the same dreams for 200 years. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. Uh. <laughs> I was understandably very upset about this information, and she goes outside to uh, sort of deal and cool off, and Andy follows her. And Nyla's basically just sort of in trying to find a way out of this. <laughs> because it's not, a, it's not a great hand to be dealt, <laughs> to be honest. No, no. It's like you're, it's yeah, cool. <laughs> your options are unfortunate. Everything in your life is now, is, is now different. Yeah. Like it seems kind of cool, but then the prospect of living forever, especially if you get captured in some way, uh, is, uh, is kind of terrible. Yeah. While they're outside, they hear some sort of commotion come from, uh, the church saying, Niall and Andy go to investigate and they find that there's been an explosion. Booker is kind of dead. His like guts are hanging out everywhere. Yeah. And Joe and Nikki are gone. As that uh, Copley has uh, found them essentially, and has, has, um, and we see Copley outside, and he all of these you know soldiers with them, and they've they tell him that they've got Joe and Nikki. We need Andy, presumably because he knows that she will come after them if they don't yeah um uh so they send more men in uh and uh andy as as booker is sort of like healing up and all of his guts are going back into <laughs> just you know give it some time <laughs> yeah that's the thing also is like you know niall's supposed to wait for the signal he's like that's not the signal and she wants to go out there. But his stomach is also just open. Like, he needs yeah. time. So, Niall goes out to take care of all of 
he basically just single-handedly kills everybody uh, in the church. Um, and now I'm at Andy. Um, <laughs> he basically kills everybody in the church, uh, throws a bomb to uh, be the signal for Niall and Booker, uh, and Niall sort of sees basically the carnage that she has wrought <laughs> uh, throughout the church and is a little, a little thrown. She's not so much down with the murder. Yeah. And they... No, wait, from there we go, we get check in on Joe and Nikki are being transported in a van. And this is probably the scene that I saw people talking about the most, like on social media and yeah. stuff. Joe wake Nikki up and the, the soldier militia guys, whatever they are. Oh, they, they're like private, they're like a private army for this uh, farm he's working for. I guess, or like mercenaries. Yeah, they're basically just like hired guns to go in and just yeah. do bad stuff. It's a lot of them. They're like, they're yeah. like an army. There's a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> But they're trying to get him to uh, to stop checking on uh, on and they they say um, or one of the guys says, "What is he, your boyfriend?" And then we get this like big romantic speech from Joe about how he's not his boyfriend. He's you know more <laughs> than anything. It was like so pure and so sweet <laughs> and so over the top romantic for an action movie. Yes, yeah. And then, and then they kiss in the van. And this is, by the way, uh, almost directly lifted from the comic book. And I found out that the writer who uh, he wrote the screenplay and he also wrote the comic book had it in his contract that that speech could not be cut out <laughs> oh. of a movie. Which, good for him, because honestly, it's probably the kind of thing that would immediately be cut out. So that, like, they can be gay, but we don't want it to be shoved in the audience's face. He's like, no, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, all of the, I think, you know, what kind of makes the movie separate from other action films is that they take all these moments, they stop and they have all these yeah. emotional beats so that you care mm-hmm. about these characters and it makes the action, you know, in their whole movie all together so yeah, much absolutely. more. There's another great one that I forgot to talk about, but when Niall was first, she's supposed to leave her base for tests or whatever, and she's clearly feeling overwhelmed, everybody's like freaked out by her. And she just takes a moment to like put her earbuds in and listen to a song to calm down. Uh, yeah, it's that kind of moment that I think makes it feel like a more emotional story. Yeah. Andy and Booker take Niall to uh, an abandoned mine where Andy keeps some of her stuff, including like priceless artwork yeah. <laughs> that she's just acquired over the years. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, at this time, Andy realizes that she has a wound that is not healing from her fight in the church. It's like a stab wound on her shoulder. And so she goes out. I forgot what, what, what excuse she gives, but she goes out to uh, basically tend to that wound because she doesn't want uh, them to know that she's uh, clearly not immortal anymore. At that time, we get uh, a nice scene between Booker and Niall um, where he's talking about basically making a case for why Niall should just cut her family out of her life at this point because he tried to keep in contact with his family and... Uh, you know, obviously he didn't age or or die. And as, you know, they got older and they started dying around him, he says they, they sort of, they will, they'll turn on you because they think that you have some sort of secret and, and you're selfish for not sharing it with them. Um, and it'll, it'll basically not only kill you because you have to watch these people die, but also because, you know, your memories of them will be become tainted. And it's very sad. <laughs> yeah. 
we check in on Andy and she's shopping for bandages and is clearly very clueless about what she's supposed to get to in order to uh, take care of the wound on her back. Um, and we get another like, nice moment with the uh, store clerk who she buys the bandages from because she needs help dressing the wound. And there's a nice moment where the, the store clerk says, uh, you know, asks her why she's helping her. And she says, well, we're not meant to be alone. Joe and Nikki at this point are being uh, held in a lab by uh, our our bad guy. Sorry, we haven't I haven't talked about him before. <laughs> he was this like pharma bro, um, <laughs> played by Dudley Dursley. <laughs> I'm sorry to the actor who plays Dudley Dursley. It's, you're going to be him forever. Uh, <laughs> but he does a great job being horrible and slimy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he wears like a hoodie with a blazer. Yes, that is the douchebag uniform now. <laughs> yeah. I think we kind of owe it to the social network for that. <laughs> yeah. That outfit. <laughs> he also, he turned evil so fast. Like, I feel like you you think, um, well, never mind. Sorry, you're about to explain it. Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> so, like, at first, I feel like Copley is the villain of the film like you think Mm -hmm. of him as the villain of the film and then he's gonna meet up with this you know pharma guy and they're gonna try to you know find a way to exploit these these immortals and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and so you think that they're gonna work together and uh Dudley Dursley is gonna be like this nerdy scientist and like that's that's all that he's going to play but it very quickly shifts and he is just like the ultimate, the ultimate villain. And it's just like, oh, oh yeah. no, he's the worst ever. <laughs> he's like a sadist as well. <laughs> yeah. Just like, I'm going to stab you just because I can. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. Um, so Joe and Nikki are being held there and they're basically like cutting pieces off of them and <laughs> and torturing them and like, hey, we can, yeah. Uh, sorry, his 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 character name is Merrick. I'll refer to him as Merrick instead of Dudley Dursley. But <laughs> he's just like, hey, we can keep doing this for years or decades if we need to. You know, what does it matter? They're going to live forever anyway. Yeah, he can't risk having one of them wander into his competitors' labs. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, uh, Booker is, has figured out where Copley is. Um, and uh, all... All three of them uh, head that way, but the Niall says she doesn't want to go. She is still weirded out by how many people Andy killed <laughs> in the church, and she doesn't really think that this is a group that she wants to be a part of. And despite Booker's warnings, she, you know, still feels like she can have some sort of relationship with her family at least for a few years yeah. um, before they sort of realize uh, what's happening. So, Andy gives her her gun sort of as a blessing and and says she can go and then andy and booker make their way to copley's place uh where copley is sort of he has like a whole wall full of research that he's done on andy and all the others um looks a little creepy but (laughs) yeah it's like a conspiracy theory board it's a bit of a a conspiracy theory board yeah yeah But uh, as Andy is um, trying to get uh, the information about uh, where Joe and Nikki are from him, Booker shoots her in, like, the side and the stomach. And we realize that Booker has betrayed them. His reasoning is that uh, 
uh, if the you know the farmer bro can figure out what it is that makes him immortal, then maybe he can uh, figure out how they can die. Yeah, Andy is still you know very much uh, of the opinion that this is a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, because they are being captured, and they all and at this point he realizes that Andy is not uh, healing from her wound. Uh, so then the farmer bros. Uh, Soldiers come and take them away. At the same time, uh, Niall uh, is about to like hop on a train, but she realizes that the gun uh, Andy gave her is empty, the clip or whatever. I don't know, guns. Um, <laughs> so she realizes that Booker had set them up, um, and uh, she heads back to help. Uh, Niall gets to, uh, to Copley, uh, and at this point, Copley has sort of, Realize the error of his ways, and he decides to take. Uh, well, I mean, he doesn't have much choice, but because <laughs> yeah. Nile has a gun on him, but yeah, <laughs> uh, he takes Nile to the lab where everybody's being held, um, and uh, Nile gets to to bust in and and kick a bunch of ass all on her own in order to save everybody else in the group, <laughs> which is a little ironic because they all promise to uh, protect her. Destroyed. <laughs> 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 Uh, but anyway, she gets in there. Joe's clearly very pissed at Booker for betraying them all. And uh, Andy's kind of having an existential crisis because she's no longer immortal. And <laughs> it's all just a big mess. But they've got to come together and fight their way out. Yes. Uh, and, and survive together. Um, and then we get uh, a bunch more of awesome, some awesome fighting. And I do love the fight choreography in this. It's very good in how it plays on those relationships. Um, like there's a part where they say, okay, everybody cover Andy, but then Andy immediately sort of takes point and, and gets out in front of everybody because that's just what they're used to. Like she's always the one in front. Uh, and so as they're fighting, Niall is actually the first one to like get in front of Andy in order to stop some bullets from hitting her. And then, uh, I think it's Nikki, uh, you know, sees that and then he does the same thing. Uh, so Niall, since she's not the one, you know, who's been fighting with them forever would be the first person to like realize like, wait, no, Andy shouldn't be in front. <laughs> she can die. <laughs> yeah. They um, really work well together. Like the, yeah. the choreography, they really work as like a team. Um, yeah. The whole choreography works like they, they work very seamlessly as a team. And then also like Joe and Nikki, because they're a couple, they work, uh, you know, almost like, like a pot of deux, sorry dance term (laughs) but you know like they consistently work uh almost as two halves of one whole like one of them will disarm a guy and then the next guy will shoot him type of thing yeah um so it's just sort of fun to see how the choreography reflects that um they take out pretty much every soldier and then they just have to get merrick deadly dursley it's uh hiding up uh in the penthouse and he also has Andy's axe, which, how dare he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they make their way up there, and then they think that uh, Merrick has escaped to the elevator and is on his way down, and Joe uh, and Nikki uh, start going after him, uh, and Andy and Niall stay up top. We get a nice little scene between, once again, in the middle of all the, all the action, we get a nice little emotional scene where... <laughs> Uh, Andy is talking about how she thinks that, uh, you know, if Niall came along right as she lost her immortality, um, 
to sort of remind her of what it was like to be her because it had been so long that she just didn't, didn't quite, you know, remember what it was like. Yeah. And, um, she has a moment where she says she knows what she wants to do with the rest of her time. And Niall says, you're going to spend it with us, (laughs) which is just, Oh, (laughs) but anyway, then Merrick is there. No. (laughs) Uh, and he's got a gun on them. But uh, they manage to, I can't remember exactly how they do it, but they do some cool thing. <laughs> I'm not going to explain the fight choreography to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, they do a cool thing. <laughs> uh-huh. And get the upper hand. Uh, Niall gets in the way before Merrick can shoot Andy, basically. And then, and then <laughs> just, like, pushes him out the window along with herself. <laughs> yeah and they fall down and, and land on a car um <laughs> and by that time joe and nikki have gotten to the bottom of the stairs <laughs> yes yeah so they all sort of collect nile uh and then head off on their way one big happy immortal family yay yay <laughs> uh in the aftermath they've all gathered at a bar and are sort of discussing what to do about booker and the fact that he betrayed all of them um, and they ultimately decide uh, that uh, he's going to be on his own for the next hundred years, which harsh, man. I mean, I get it, but. <laughs> okay. Now let's talk about this for just for like a minute. Okay. <laughs> I understand what he did is wrong. They could have been tortured forever. Like he yeah. clearly he fucked up. He also has a lot of demons and he is in a lot of pain about yeah. living forever and he's like drunk the entire movie yeah like <laughs> he's, he's drinking from a flask constantly yeah and I really like that they have that I like that it's not yeah. just like this is an amazing thing that th- there are consequences to having this power but I feel like as far as things go because of like the what happens to Copley and what happens to Booker don't make sense in my mind and maybe we're gonna get you can explain how how it really ends and then I'll come back to this because I do not think that there are equal consequences (laughs) for Booker and Copley at all Uh, (laughs) but maybe you should explain like the end and then I'll come back to that to well okay so yes then we go to visit Copley where they sort of can he, uh, you know, he's he's not only trapped where they were, but also uh, the future consequences of all of their actions. Like if they save someone, he can sort of see, uh, you know, one generation, two generations down the line where that had, you know, a positive impact on humanity. Um, and so they're sort of learning at this point about their whole, their whole, what's the word I'm looking for? Sorry. <laughs> I guess like a ripple their effect. Whole, yeah, it's a ripple effect. But their whole goal has always been to do the most good that they can. And Andy had been become convinced that it didn't matter. Things were just going to stay terrible no matter what they did. And so this was sort of a, a, a way for them to see, you know, it does, it's not just the people that you save immediately. It's the people that you save down the line as well. Um, and to sort of give her a renewed sense of, of purpose. Um, so they are worried, you know, since Copley was able to track them and see the patterns and, and, and find them, uh, with, you know, 
what with photography and the internet and whatnot, <laughs> which are which are relatively new things for all of them. Yeah, um, they're worried about some other people being able to do the same thing. So uh, Copley is going to become uh, their sort of uh, technology guy to uh, keep them hidden from the rest of the world. Um, and uh, that's it. That's the end. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so. Copley was responsible for people yeah. knowing that they're immortal and yeah. he is now basically going to run this operation because he's going to find the jobs and be responsible for cleaning up after them to make sure that nobody else knows that they are immortal. So now he gets to work with them on their team. Booker, on the other hand, was convinced to help him and now he is like punished for 100 years to be on his own mm-hmm. without them. And he will never get to see Andy again because realistically Andy is now just a regular person and she will die. I mean, really, probably not too long after if she can't figure out a way to heal again, considering their line of work, she will not survive that long. I Um, do not know if she ages at this point or not. I wonder if she would age like a regular person person i just mean because she gets into like or is it just that yeah it's just that she can't heal which yes in their line of work would probably get her killed eventually pretty quickly yeah i mean also i feel like uh, since i feel like they want to do a sequel with it with like the little tag that's on it i feel like there is going to be a way that she becomes immortal again Mm. i don't know maybe do you want to explain the tag yes so and then in the tag um, we see Booker six months later, <laughs> drunk again. <laughs> He's just always drunk. Uh, coming back to his flat, and then who might be there but Quinn? She's out of the the Iron Maiden in the bottom of the ocean, uh, and uh, she seems a bit angry. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I can't imagine. Like she has. Gosh, there's a lot of scenes that are that really like pull on your heartstrings, like whether it is like Joe and Nikki in the van or like, you know, Booker t- explaining like his family and how he feels responsible and that his family like hates him and stuff like that. But the scenes with Quinn also, like where they're taking yeah. her away and putting her in that and then watching her like drown and die and then wake up again and just like screaming underwater. Um Terrific. Yeah, no, it just, it's it's really upsetting and I feel like you understand yeah. where she's coming from and that she would be really upset. But if in the sequel she is coming back and she is upset and she has found Booker now, I feel like, again, this would be a very personal story for mm-hmm. Andy and therefore Andy cannot die right away <laughs> if someone has come back kind of like for revenge. Uh, yes, yeah. that it's not, yeah, so... I don't know. I will say because I read, I did read the 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 graphic novel that, that covered this first movie. Um, Andy does not lose her immortality in that, at least at that point. So it might happen later in the series. I haven't run that far ahead yet. I'm hoping Netflix will announce a sequel because I really want to see <laughs> more of this. Um, but if not, I'll probably just read the graphic novel. Um, um, so yes. Uh, they might just, maybe she'll just, you know, she won't die until later. I don't know. Um, but it's, 
it's it's very exciting. I want to see what happens next. I want to see what happens with Quinn and Andy. Their relationship uh, was really, you know, heartfelt, and and it was horrific to see what happened to them. And the idea that you know now Quinn is pissed, <laughs> and they're going to have to deal with that in the next movie is a there's a, some rich uh, emotional fodder there that I, I would be excited to see more of. Yes, I agree on all of that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anything else before we move on to? Uh, oh, I just have a few little fun. Yes. Um, <laughs> trivia factoid. So when Joe's waking me up in the van, uh, he uses a very old Italian word for wake up, like something that people don't use in language, which I thought was cool. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> And, oh, in the comic, Niall said she was going to study, she was planning to study art history uh, when she got out of the military, which explains her little, you know, geek out over the Rodin that um, oh. that Andy had. <laughs> and, uh, oh, when Joe is drawing Niall after they first dream of her, the close-ups on his hand and the drawing that he's doing were actually done by the comic book artist uh, of your Oh, Art that's neat. Yeah. Fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on to another film about a nihilistic Andy. So we have uh, Palm Springs. So this opens uh, with a goat and an earthquake and a woman whispering, wake up. And then we cut to Niles, not Niall, but Niles, uh, played by <laughs> Andy Samberg. And he's waking up with his girlfriend, Misty, and she is going to be in a wedding. They are at a, like, a destination wedding. And he is just, he's kind of, he's just over it. He has given up, and they try having sex, but she doesn't want to sweat before the wedding, and it's not working out. And then she's just like, and then then she's like, you can watch me, which essentially I just mean is like, you can masturbate and watch me just getting ready for a wedding yeah. <laughs> as if like somehow, yes, me just like getting dressed or doing makeup is going to be at all uh, arousing. <laughs> but so he's trying and she cannot find her grandmother's like jewelry and she just keeps saying, oh shit, shit, <laughs> oh shit. And he's just, it's not working out. And I feel like that really sets up what we're in for. Like we are in yeah. for like this comedy. We know like, I guess, like, you know, his emotional state um, and that we are in a rated R comedy. Like, I feel like it kind of sets the, <laughs> sets the scene really well. So we see a sign for Tala and Abe's wedding on November 9th. And uh, Niles and the maid it's of... It's going to be so weird hearing Niles so much after Niles. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so throughout the, the wedding, um, we see Niles and we see the maid of honor uh, they both kind of don't seem into it. They're in kind of like their own their own headspace during the wedding. And uh, at the uh, the reception, uh, Niall's girlfriend, Misty, she gives like a speech, a really terrible speech. She's kind of dumb, but her character's really great and funny in this movie, and mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy Misty. Uh, but so Misty gives her speech, and then she invites Tala's sister, Sarah, played by Kristen Milioti, who's our other or other lead in this movie to give a speech and she is not at all prepared or ready or thought that as the maid of honor and sister of the the bride that she was going to have to give a give a speech at the wedding so she doesn't want to go up 
Uh, but she gets quickly bailed out because Niles, who is wearing a Hawaiian shirt and swim trunks <laughs> to this wedding, decides he's going to go up and he's going to give a speech. And you expect this to go really poorly as this person who just would not be asked to give a speech, who doesn't know these people very well, just decides to crash in this outfit. But he gives a really nice speech and he mentions how the bride like donated bone marrow to help their brother. Just like little details that he should not know about Mm -hmm. them but it goes really well and uh, everybody thinks it's really sweet and uh, bails Sarah out so then at the wedding I there's like a nice little moment before we get back to Niall so Sarah is just kind of like waiting and drinking on the side and everybody is kind of dancing at the at the reception and this guy Randy uh comes up to her to ask her to dance and I just (laughs) really enjoyed this exchange (laughs) Because she's like, I already told you no earlier, Randy. What makes you think I changed my mind? And he's like, I don't know. You had more to drink? And she's like, you can't say that to me, man. And he's like, whatever. I don't know, lecture. And he just starts dancing really hard, just like elbows in the air. He just doesn't want to hear it. He's just, And then he just kind of uh, wanders off. And then immediately after she gets hit on by him, uh, Niles is dancing on the dance floor. And he's flirting with her. A little bit but it's in an intriguing way because it seems like he knows what's going to happen before it happens yeah so like he's mimicking the same dances as other people and then there's like a guy who's he like pushes out a chair and this guy immediately sits in so he catches him with the chair and then he blows a kiss to her <laughs> and it's just somebody yeah. we remember we were talking about this with our friends and they were like immediately like he is the uh, you know this is this is like Bill Murray's last day in ground in Groundhog Day after he's been through this so many times. Yeah. And they really you you get that across even like most people I think going into the movie kind of know the premise. Yeah. Um so you you immediately get that sense of like oh how many times has he done this? Already? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, yeah, a lot. I also really enjoy that we it's not like the origin story of him it's like he is in it we cut and he is like in the middle of this premise and I I really enjoy that enjoy that about it but so yeah so then uh she's just kind of like intrigued by him a little bit and so uh they then have this moment where they're talking on the side and he knows what kind of like hair mist she's wearing that she's wearing orchid explosion and uh, June Squibb, actress June Squibb is in this. She, very small part, but she just comes up to them and she says that she's been to more weddings than you can imagine. And then she just, mm-hmm. she just leaves. We had to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> uh, then Niles invites her to, to get out of there and she's like, what about your girlfriend? And then he, he shows Misty cheating on him. Uh, and so... And he says, yeah, in like, like a bathroom somewhere. Yes, yeah, they are <laughs> just, yeah, they are having sex in a bathroom, and they're just outside the bathroom, and they just have this conversation while <laughs> these two people are just having sex in the background. And he <laughs> casually mentions there's not a world where these two don't end up together, referring to, to Misty, um, and this other man. Um, so then they start messing around, like because now she misty was cheating on him it's like all right well if it's okay if if he you know messes around with sarah so then we cut to them like messing around in the desert 
And they have a blanket out there, as you would maybe think that they would if they're going to have sex in the desert. However, just small note, it is not on the desert floor. It no, is, they're like on a rock. <laughs> it's on large boulders. Like they've just thrown the blanket on these like awkward large boulders as if this was where the, it's all a flat desert and they are going to have sex somehow on these awkward rocks. But um, so anyway, so they, <laughs> they start messing around um, and then all of a sudden Niles gets hit in the back with an arrow and J.K. you find out that J.K. Simmons, uh, playing the character of Roy, is just hunting him down. He's just coming after him yeah. with arrows. And Sarah is just like, "What the fuck?" And she's <laughs> so confused because Niles apparently knows this person. It, it's, he's upset, but seems to know what's happening, which is just even mm-hmm. weirder. So Niles runs into this glowing tunnel, and Sarah follows him. And then we wake up on the exact same day. He does tell her not to come in. Yes. He, he tries to shout at her a couple of times not to follow her. Yes. But she does. Yeah. Um, so then we wake up the next day and she is uh, understandably upset and confused why she has woken up on November 9th all over again. Mm-hmm. And uh, she goes after him and she jumps into the pool uh, with a plan to kind of like attack him or get him. She's just, she's upset and confused. Um <laughs> So then Tala, our bride, sees uh, her sister just attacking him in the pool. And so she does exactly what you are told to not do around a pool. And she is <laughs> running. Uh, and she falls on her face, breaking out her front teeth, which just causes chaos. This is one of my favorite <laughs> scenes uh, in the movie because everybody is just so great. freaking out. Tala just has a mouth full of blood. Yeah. Which is just, you know, any bride's nightmare. And Peter Gallagher's calling dentist. <laughs> yes. Howard, yes, Peter Gallagher plays plays Howard, and he's just trying to find a dentist that glues teeth. Um, and Misty, Misty in this scene is so great because she's just, it's you know, it's also a big day for her. Like, so she's having an emotional moment, and then Abe tries to come in because he hears all this commotion. He wants to know. And Misty is just screaming like, get Ow! Like she's just yelling and just escalating the scene so much further than a normal disaster that would just be that your bride is missing her teeth on her wedding day, and then yeah. and then Sarah just vomits in a trash can. Like it's just everything <laughs> is crazy. So I yes. So then uh, she she goes out uh, and decides now that all this is happening, she's gonna ask uh, Niles what's what's going on. And he explains to her that it's one of those infinite time loop situations you may have heard about. (laughs) Um, So then Sarah wants to go and see this tunnel as he explains to her that, you know, it's a it's a time loop. You can't really get out of it. So she goes and an earthquake happens at a certain time of day, which opens up this cave and. So whether she you know goes into the tunnel or whatever, it's going to restart the day. So she decides to go into the tunnel and it just restarts the day. The writer mm-hmm. of the film has said that he thinks that Niles has been in there for 40 years. But it sounds Whoa. it sounds like everybody has a different interpretation of how long like they're they're stuck there and stuff like that, but yeah, so the which would make sense if he has been doing this for 40 years, which is why he just nothing yeah. matters. So oh. yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. I yeah, I hadn't really thought about how long he probably had been in there, but um, that would be a lot. 
Yeah. Of the same day over and over. Yeah. So Sarah is not ready to accept her time loop fate, and she tries to drive out of town. Um, (laughs) And something else that's kind of different about it is it's it's not that it like hits a certain time of day and it restarts like in Groundhog Day where it's like you know they have to fall asleep. Yes, it's like once you fall asleep, you're gonna wake up back back where you were. But she tries to drive out of town, uh, and but she falls asleep and she wakes up back in Palm Springs. Yeah. So then, I do like that we have like this is this is what you expect from this type of movie is you know we're trying to figure out a way out of this immediately and uh, Niles has already been through all of this and so he's just like standing there going like that's not gonna work I yeah that, you know? yeah <laughs> the whole time but you know you're not gonna just take the word of this guy when you're in this situation no so, like no you're gonna try everything that you can think of to get out of it yeah. It takes a little bit to realize that, you know, you can't really die and that this yeah. is just going to continue. Mm-hmm. So Sarah wakes up Niles just like, all right, nothing matters. You know, like we can just, just <laughs> you know, and uh, there's a funny scene again because she it's another woman like coming to like wake up your boyfriend. And so Misty's just like, are you fucking cheating on me? <laughs> And Niles is like, no, you're cheating on me, you goof. <laughs> and then she's just like, wait, what? And then he just leaves. Yeah, she's, the actress who plays her is, I, I don't know her name, but she's great in how much she does. Yes. <laughs> with what she's given. Yeah. <laughs> so Sarah tries to kill them, uh, just trying to, I guess, kind of like wake up from, from her situation yeah. and stuff. And Niles tells her um, that to make sure that they actually die because pain yeah. is very real. Um, yeah, this reminded me actually of in the old guard because yeah, yeah, he says we can't die, but pain is very real. And I think in the old guard, Booker says something like, "Just because uh, we live forever doesn't mean uh, that we stop hurting." <laughs> yeah, no, the the so idea, <laughs> yeah, the idea that pain is real and that what you do with your time matters is yeah. something for both films that. Uh, I realize I did make a note of that when Booker <laughs> said that in uh, in the old garden. So, mm-hmm. um, so yes. So just make sure that you die and you're not like in the just in pain in the ICU um, all the time. So, Sarah, they die, and so we're just gonna go again. And so Sarah asks about Roy, and Niles explains that they met at the wedding. Uh, they did drugs together, and they had a great time. And Roy, like, didn't want the day to end. And so because they were on drugs, Niles showed him the tunnel and mm-hmm. walked in. And so now he's just, Roy is upset that now he is stuck in this time loop. And so now just every few days or so, it's kind of, you know, Niles doesn't really know. Just every once in a while, he comes yeah. back to he just lives, torture him. He lives him. in Irvine, so he's not always there. He doesn't always make the drive. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So they have burritos and she asks him who he's hooked up with in the time loop and are like, you know, like, have you had sex in here? And he says that he, you know, he has, but it takes a lot of effort. So he, and he tries to live his life with as little effort as possible now. Um, but he tells her that, that he can't remember them ever having sex. He doesn't think that they've had sex. Um, and Sarah gets this epiphany that this situation is a karma thing and that she can karma her way out of the situation so yeah she's thinking of it like a purgatory or something like that that they they need to do something to to earn like 
yeah to earn, earn their way, way out. out yeah so uh she tells tala something at like during the ceremony and you don't you don't know what has been said um but tala starts crying um and she's pretty confident sarah's pretty confident that she has has earned her her way out but she wakes up there again so now <laughs> she has given up so now they're they're just a pair that's that's gonna have fun so we have this really great montage of them and mm. so they lounge uh in somebody's pool on like pizza floaties and uh, it's just somebody's house they they don't know who they're just out of town like he's found this house with people that are just out of town on november 9th so they shoot guns they dance they learn they choreograph their own dance dance. yes (laughs) which i really i really enjoy and they're both waking up and they seem happy like niles finally seems happy to wake up every day and he has this like friend to to hang out with they steal a plane and they uh, tattoo dicks on each other. So, but they also, there's, my other favorite scene in the movie is they play a prank at the wedding where they pretend that there is a bomb oh, yes. in the wedding cake. And so I, I wrote it down. So he's like, wait, stop. There's a bomb in the cake. Don't worry. I used to be a bomb guy. And so he takes, he <laughs> rips open the wedding cake. He destroys the wedding cake and puts this bomb on a crossbow and just fires it into the sky and it just explodes. And so everybody's screaming, Misty's screaming because she's always great to cut to for an emotional reaction. And so then Sarah comes in and she's like, Foiled, you son of a bitch. You ruined my plan. <laughs> and so and I was like, Sarah, the sister of the bride, and based on her accent, from origins unknown, <laughs> I'll take her dead or alive. And uh, and then they they fight. Um, <laughs> and she throws a birthday party for him. And they're having this nice moment. They're, they're bonding as people. Producer Ryan noticed, yeah. like, for the birthday party, she has stolen the wedding cake. Like, the wedding cake <laughs> is the birthday cake. Uh, I did not notice that. For him. <laughs> Uh, so then uh, it cuts to them in the desert. They're on mushrooms. And they're talking about, like, your past. And she thinks that knowing someone's past, like, is important. And that's a better way to, to get to know someone. And she admits that she was married for two years. And she went through with it even though she knew the whole time that it, it wasn't going to work out. And he only really cares about the future, thinking that, like, the past doesn't matter. Uh, and then they they see dinosaurs um and then they they sleep in a tent and she's just like let's just get it over with let's just just have sex so they have sex and they wake up the next day and uh when she wakes up the next day at first she seems very happy and then uh, you can hear like noise in the room and then she remembers where she is and we see that she is actually in abe's room and that she slept with her sister's fiance the night before her sister's wedding yeah. So then she instantly becomes upset and then she goes off for her day with Niles and she's off. Like Niles thinks that this has yeah. brought them closer. He's like in a happy mood and this kind of, you know, like means something. But she just like, she's just going in like a self-loathing spiral. And she's just- I do like that the movie has enough, like they, they, they drop enough hints that this is what's happened throughout that it's like, it's a bit of a twist, but it's also like if you've been paying attention, you see this coming. That that she had slept with, uh, you know, her sister's fiance that night. 
Yeah, you kind of get the the idea that she slept with someone, but you don't really think about it. Like, you'll hear noise of someone else, like, in the room, but you wouldn't immediately jump to, like, the groom or her her father asks, like, where she was, and she was like, ah, I went out early for a hike, you know, but Mm -hmm. why would you want to tell your dad who you slept with the night before? So, (laughs) um, yeah, so they do. Like, upon rewatching it, they've set it all up very well. It's just you don't really think about it. Mm -hmm. Um. So she's sort of like self-destructing and she decides like she decides she's just gonna like piss off this cop that's been been following them. Niles realizes that it's Roy and she ends up taking the cop car and hitting Roy with the car uh really injuring him and Niles is really upset again because he gets like pinned between the two cars. Yeah yeah. Um, so Niles is really upset because she just seems like she's like having fun and like nothing matters and it's like what is your problem but he's explaining to her that you know what we do matters pain is real it doesn't matter if things like reset and people don't remember because they will remember and so they just get into a fight and he ends up admitting that they've slept together a lot in there and so she is upset I mean in general they they have a fight but so they have like this big falling out and so Mm -hmm. the next day Niles uh, tries to wake up and find her and he can't find her so then every day he's just getting more desperate uh trying to find her and one night he is in with the groomsman and he can he smells the groom's pillow and realizes that it smells like sarah so he realizes that's like oh this is why you know she doesn't want to wake up here every day like this is why she she like hates herself and so he confronts abe at the wedding at the wedding reception what was the name of the hair mist again <laughs> it's orchid explosion orchid explosion by fournier um, sorry it's just said with such accusation and it's so funny to me. yeah <laughs> he brings the pillow he brings yes. the pillow to the reception to have tala smell it and yeah and so then they have like a confrontation and he ends up stabbing abe in the face with a fork <laughs> So Abe just has a fork sticking out of out of his face. So it's going really well. Yeah. Um, so then <laughs> it has a great cut because it's just like so upsetting that he has now been stabbed in the face and the wedding has been ruined. And then it just immediately cuts again to the wedding and then everybody's really happy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Niles is miserable and he tells another wedding guest, Jared, that he loves Sarah. So he has just sort of hit rock bottom. And he ends up just driving to Roy's house to just, like, get it over with. He's had it. And you realize uh, Roy has a wife and two kids. He's just, like, making salmon. It's, like, this very, like, domestic life that he has going for himself. Um, (laughs) Just a regular old suburban life. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, every once in a while he goes out to the desert to torture someone. But Yeah. (laughs) So he explains to Niles that, you know, he – he has developed like he was upset uh when it first happened that he was like in the time loop because he was never going to get to see his kids grow up he was never going to get to walk his daughter down the aisle um but then in being in the icu after sarah hit him with his car like he understands he could understand the pain and the torture that he was putting niles through every day that he was going out there and so he's kind of like accepted this life that like this is a really good day here with my kids and my wife and like you know, I'm in this time loop, but I'm going to make the most of it. And so he's not going to go and try and kill Niles anymore. And they shouldn't, yeah, see each other anymore. So 
that's nice. But then we, we find out uh, what Sarah has been doing this whole time. And so she has to find a way out of this. She can't keep doing this. So she wakes up every day feeling like a bad person. And she's done, she's done being a bad person. So she goes to a diner every day and she's going to learn about quantum physics. So then she just repeats the day to learn more and yeah. more. Can I just say, <laughs> this, is, this is silly, but <laughs> this montage happens to uh, a Genesis song off of the Invisible Touch album, which I know because <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, my dad owned this album uh, and I would always listen to it on like long trips. And I remember this song because I always felt like, like even when I was like a little kid, I was like, this should be in a movie because it sounds like a song that should be set to like a training montage. Like <laughs> so I was so happy. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So just every day she goes back there and she's like learning uh, more about quantum physics. And one of the people that she's like Skyping with uh, is actually a theoretical physicist at USC. So she's talking to an actual like person about learning it. So she decides that she's going to test this theory that she has learned about quantum physics and a way to get, you know, out of this time loop on a goat. She sends a goat in. And the goat disappears. So she thinks that she's she's done it. So she goes to Niles. Um, I don't know how long. It gets clear. I do just time. want to point out. Yes. We don't actually see the goat disappear. She sends it in and then we cut to the next day. Yes. That's, yes. <laughs> so just go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> just bringing that up for a reason, but go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he apologizes to her. Um and she tells him that she has found a way out. And she says that if they blow themselves up uh, and the cave up at the moment that they're traveling through the tunnel, that it sh- that should take them out of the... They will be stuck in the tunnel. propelled out of the loop, basically. Yes. Yeah. And she says it's traded in a goat. She says that the goat is gone. Um, and he, however, wants to stay in the loop. He's, like, afraid to leave the loop he wants her to stay there with him so he wants the safety bubble of the loop with her and she can't do this anymore but she has asked him to come with her but he doesn't want to leave so she doesn't want her life to be meaningless she can't wake up in there every day you know with abe and she yeah it seems meaningless in this time loop so yeah so i mean you know i get the the appeal to a certain extent you know you don't have to worry about money or Pretty much anything. <laughs> Consequences, yeah. Um, but also, life is meaningless in there, so. Yeah, and that's kind of like the same thing for, for both movies. I, I feel like at first it could seem like this very interesting thing and you can kind of, you know, play with that because, again, you don't have consequences and stuff of any other time in your life. So that seems great. And then it's like, how long does it take really before yeah, nothing, nothing matters and you're, you know, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So one last time before Sarah leaves, we go through this wedding. She gives a nice speech at the wedding and she leaves a voicemail on someone's phone, uh, but we don't know whose phone. And then June Squibb comes up to her again um, and tells her, now that you'll be going soon, good luck. And <laughs> so I guess the, the, the writer wasn't sure if she knew or not. And June Squibb isn't even sure if her character knows okay. or not that she knows. But I kind of feel like June Squibb knows. Yeah, it seems like it, it's, it at least seems like they were thinking that it's, it's she's yeah, uh, been in this loop potentially even longer um, than uh, Niles has. 
but but who knows? But like, how would she have knowledge of? Maybe that's just how long she's been in the loop. She like knows things. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I, I suppose you could say that her saying that she's been to a lot of weddings in the beginning and then her saying yeah. that, like, you'll be going soon would just be, like, out of town. But, like, you would think that would happen anyway because she's yeah. from Austin. Like, she, of course, she doesn't live here, so she would be leaving soon anyway. So, I don't know. Um, yeah. I'm going to choose to believe that June Squibb knows. <laughs> but that's that's just me. Okay. So then uh, Niles is at the bar. He's been hanging out with, not at the wedding, but like an actual bar. Uh, And he realizes that he needs to go after Sarah. So he goes and he finds her and he gives this like, again, we get a big romantic speech. And he tells her that like, you're my, that my favorite person that I've ever met. And I'd rather die with you than live in a world without you. Yes. And And I love that he he has one sentence to give his speech and so it's just the biggest longest run-on sentence yes there's a, a lot of grammar jokes in there yeah because he he says like at the very end like emphatic period and <laughs> she says i mean an emphatic period is just that's just an exclamation point <laughs> and he's like i didn't want to seem desperate <laughs> so um yeah so they go into the tunnel and she tells him that she loves him too. And they blow themselves up. Uh, and then we cut to them in the pool on with the pizza floaties. And so she's like, so what do we do now? <laughs> and he says that he has to go pick up his dog. <laughs> and she's surprised that he's never mentioned that he has a dog. And she's like, what kind of a dog? He says, he's one of them shaggy dogs. <laughs> um, so... And then uh, the people that own the house come up, come home. So you realize that, like, all right, well, I guess they come home on November 10th. So they are out of the time loop. And then we also have a tag uh, in this film as well. And so Roy has come back to to the wedding, uh, and he sees Niles, and he goes up to Niles to explain, like, oh, you know, like your girlfriend left a voicemail. So she was explaining to him, like, how to get out of the out of the time loop. The whole explosion thing, yeah. Yes, and Niles doesn't recognize him. And Niles is dressed, like, in a suit as if it, he were just going to the wedding on the, on, the, yeah. on the first day and doesn't know him. So that's a positive for Roy, that he can get out of the scenario. Now he knows how to get out yes. of the loop. Yes, so. And I, 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 I only brought up the goat thing because Niles being there, makes it so that the like if the goat was gone that wouldn't really make sense but we have a we never actually saw the goat gone and <laughs> we have a line uh just as niles after he's given his big romantic speeches are going into the cave when he says that goat really disappear or something like that and she says it's too late now you've already committed <laughs> <laughs> so i think maybe she just made up that the goat was gone because it it doesn't necessarily make sense for the goat to be gone even if it got out of the time loop <laughs> Like, yeah. There would still need to be a goat there. Yeah. You know, as so the day for, for that day to happen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Some, somebody had pointed out to me that that was a plot hole, and it was like, ah, they covered for this plot hole. Yeah. <laughs> so, we actually know one of the associate editors on the film, uh, Brad McLaughlin. So, we are going to include uh, a little interview that we did with him at the at the end of this. And um, yes. maybe we'll ask him about that. We've yeah. got some questions. I also, I mean, I don't know that he'll know. But the dinosaurs, yeah. can we talk about the dinosaurs? Yes. <laughs> also, there are dinosaurs at the end, just as when they did mushrooms in the desert. 
Yes, there are dinosaurs still there at the end. So, yeah, we see the dinosaurs uh, when, they, when they've done mushrooms, and it's kind of like a, well, they're just high thing. But then we see the dinosaurs at the end, which would suggest that the dinosaurs were in the time loop somehow. But then, A, does that mean that they are still in a time loop, and they're just in a loop of the next day? <laughs> yeah, producer Ryan was trying to argue that they're still stuck in another time loop and I feel like that's really depressing if they're just (laughs) stuck in a time loop again because the whole point of the movie is like to get out and you don't want life to be meaningless uh I guess it is unless we get a sequel (laughs) okay well you know and then we could do that too I guess the I'm rooting for a sequel for both of these movies yeah no that would be that would be great um I think that like according to IMDb trivia the dinosaurs were supposed to be ambiguous so I don't feel like it was supposed to have any like set meaning of like this is specifically this but yes so no I don't accept that there's gotta be okay all right (laughs) okay (laughs) all right um all right fine okay (laughs) we'll leave it all right you want to talk about food Oh, yes. So for the old guard, very obviously Bakova. Um, Andy eats, uh, you know, when they make the bet, and then she's, she's eating it later in the chaka. So it's clearly her favorite food. Yeah. Um, but uh, when they're placing the bet, she actually names a few ingredients uh, in the Bakova, including uh, hazelnut, not walnut, pomegranate, and rose water. So um, I'm actually, I just made some Bakova that I will be putting up. Uh, for anybody who wants to make Andy's baklava. Yay! Um, <laughs> and then there's not, there's not a whole lot of other food. You have Booker who's constantly drinking out of his flask. Uh, <laughs> and he puts some in, I think, coffee or tea. So maybe you can make, uh, what do they call that, an Irish coffee? When you put uh, booze in, <laughs> in your coffee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want to. Um, yeah. <laughs> She drinks vodka on the plane. I don't have much right. done either. She also, has, but, she also drinks a yeah. lot of vodka. <laughs> yeah. Maybe candy bars. Yes, she does pick up a few candy bars uh, when she's at the store. Just, you know, to be inconspicuous when she's getting the entire bandage uh, section. <laughs> you know what? If I get injured, a candy bar might make me feel better. Yeah. If true. I get stabbed. So... Just for future she's, reference. She's, she's not immortal anymore, so you gotta, you know, take pleasures where you can. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, all right, do you have any more foods for uh, the old guard? That's what I got. Okay, all right. So then, as far as food goes for uh, Palm Springs, I have, so it's not actually a food, but the pizza floaties look yes. like pizza. I have red <laughs> wine, because they drink, she or Sarah drinks red oh, wine. Oh, that was one of my favorite jokes. At the <laughs> she's like, she gets a pour of red wine into the bartender. She's like, come on. Yeah. This is not the time. Yeah. And the bartender goes, it's not good wine. And she's like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Um, so we also have margaritas because Niles is making margaritas every morning. And yeah. uh, burritos because they eat burritos from the burrito truck. Beer as they're constantly drinking in the pool. We have the Twix bar when he's trying to explain like in the desert when they're on mushrooms um he's like holding a <laughs> twix bar to yeah and that's then, that's the present or the future one of those <laughs> and everything else around it is the past yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's the kind of thing that makes sense when you're <laughs> on something yeah 
Um, I have salmon, which J.K. Simmons was making when um, Niles shows up at mm-hmm. at Roy's house. Uh, the wedding cake, uh, the tuna appetizer, because um, when Roy is at the the wedding, he walks by one of the people with like a tray of appetizers and he eats it, and it's just like eh, like it's a. <laughs> so, and then Moscato, he orders. Originally, Roy orders a Moscato at the wedding when he thinks that uh, Niles is being a dick to the bartender. The bartender, thank you. And then he ends up changing it to a bourbon and they do shots of bourbon. So that is the food that I have written down for Palm Springs. And now our interview with associate editor of Palm Springs, Brad McLaughlin. You guys saw this little movie, this little little indie Sundance sensation. Right? Yes. It's wonderful. <laughs> we both watched it a couple times now. Yes, yes, You've we seen have. seen it a couple times? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it many times. Yeah, well, I I've think... I've actually not seen <laughs> I, you know, What's interesting is, and I don't know, because, you know, and I'll, I'll just be honest, because, like, the, it's been a very fascinating experience because it was a low-budget movie, um, and... They ran out of money, and then it premiered at Sundance, and then it made a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, like, we're trying to finish it, and, you know, everything gets shut down. So we were supposed to do, like, a final sound mix or, any, or and oh, all this man. stuff. And I actually haven't seen it because, honestly, I really, going back to see movies that you've worked on and, you know, you've been in a room in for a year or whatever, like, that's not really a thing that people, yeah. it's a normal thing to do. <laughs> I think, <laughs> but, um, but I'm, yeah, so I'm interested to know if some of the songs were changed out because they got my, oh, okay. I know that there were a few songs that they were really, really into. Um, and, or if it was just like, they were just like, fuck it, it's a Sundance cut. Cause like they went through and they redid the end credits. And I only know mm. this because I like, like, you know, I had some friends hop out on some stuff, but anyway, so it's, it's a really interesting thing. Uh, <laughs> well, that's interesting because I actually talked about one of the songs in yeah. when we when we were talking about it in our podcast. Okay, uh, well, um, you've already <laughs> so, done your podcast. I thought I was part of it. No. <laughs> oh no, you are. You're, like, you're when we were just yeah. talking. Oh, okay. Like so, yeah. Movie, so so yeah. Well, yeah tell me it. your thoughts about it because that'll you know, <laughs> like, what do you guys? I know you've been dying to see it. I know, especially Casey. <laughs> <laughs> I really and, enjoyed it. Hopefully it, you know, turned out well. <laughs> it did. It's great. It's really funny. Yeah. Uh, yes. So I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I know after I watched it, I asked you a question and you still may not be able to answer it, but now I'm putting you on the spot. So I text you <laughs> because I was, I was wondering if what Sarah says to try to karma her way out of the time loop that she says to Tala if that was ever like something that people knew, if it was ever in the script or in the editing room or anything like that, or if it was just one of those things that you just never know. Well, I mean, we, we, we had like 15, probably 12 or 15 different versions of like the ending. Okay. Like I, I personally cut probably 10 different versions. Wow. Of the okay. On it. Um, so, you know, it's always, the idea was they wanted to do a little bit of like, like, I don't know. They want they they, they wanted to make it a, a obscure, obviously, but then also like have some fun. But yeah, the going back to the J.K. Simmons thing, um, 
is a little confusing if you really think about it, but also like the movie needs more J.K. Simmons. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, but yeah. I still think she just told her that she slept with her fiance, her you know, husband to be <laughs> rather, even though that seems like a weird thing to to say as a you know what so that so that specific moment yeah. um. Yeah, I don't have an answer for it. it. wasn't, I mean, that wasn't really, like, there wasn't word scripted or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, the reaction makes sense if that's what she told her. I don't know that I would consider that, you that would to be do a selfless that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's not, like, a selfless act to be like, yeah, I fucked your husband. I'm going to tell you at the <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but I don't know what else it would be. <laughs> oh, yeah, but then on the other hand, there there is nothing else it would be. It would be like, I mean, maybe she's just like, I fucked up. Really, really it, it could be something we just uh, don't know about like just trying to again like yeah. try to do you know the like to, to to do that i'd just be like it's so hard to figure out exactly what to say but just the idea of it would be like okay this is an idea like you're gonna earn your way out so you need to think of something but we can't think of like you know so yeah maybe it's just something we yeah. don't know about yeah it's also like you know in terms of like scripting is you know there's like you know i mean it's a it's a pretty basic script breakdown. So that was like one, that's like a good moment where you're like on board with her and you're like, yeah. And then you get like the reveal of it, you know, um, which is so funny because <laughs> what's great about like the, the reveal shot, you know, mm-hmm. when she like wakes up um, and I was trying to take some of the shower. I didn't want to, you know, too much of the shower sound, you know, towards yeah, yeah, the, they tease the it a couple of times before the reveal. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of like, I, you know, I was kind of against that and people didn't really, you know, <laughs> weren't really into my thoughts on that part. But, um, but what's funny is, is like, they were like worried, they're like, they're like worried about the color, like they're like worried about the color of the shot because the, the window's all blown out. And I like talked to the girl in color correction and she's just like, people ain't looking at the window. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I've never looked at that window and I don't think anyone here <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, people find <laughs> uh, that's funny. But, so, so anyway, so that's still, I guess a little snippet, um, which is yeah. fine. But um, yeah, I mean, overall, like, I don't know. Um, it, it's really hard, and honestly, it's it's funny, you know, cause we're in crazy times now. But it's like really hard to keep track of a movie. It's a time loop mm-hmm. movie. And especially when yeah, you have a lot was, of different versions of it. And I was curious about that too, because of the time loop movie and there's so much repeating action, it feels like. Did they did you move around anything? Like were were things shuffled around? Yes, uh, very much. In very the editing much. Room? So the yeah. beginning actually is not like it not like it was scripted. Um I, I'm like now should I be telling this I don't I guess I, <laughs> I guess I don't give a fuck uh, but like the beginning was a lot different yeah I mean I guess the beginning was a lot different it's like so as scripted like so there's an original scripted version which Andy was pushing for so hard and he wanted I mean he worked really hard and like we, we were working really hard to make it happen um, because it's a better version of the film in my mm-hmm. opinion I think but that's only. But that's because the movie starts with like the beginning and you know the earthquake and him waking up. Yeah. And then you know him at the pool and then him going to the wedding, 
and then you know there's a you know and then and then when he wakes up again he's bored and then he has sex with this girl and it's a much it, it makes a lot more sense i mean i guess you know it's more it's better shock value or anything but like it makes a lot more sense when he wakes up and like the twist is like oh shit we're in a time loop and then he's just like in this and she's just like okay but i don't have much time like it works a lot better that way if that makes sense i think but that's just <laughs> that's just me personally because you know he's bored at that point yeah i right I listened to an interview and with Andy Samberg, and he was saying that he wanted that he wanted that later. So, yeah, yeah, we worked really hard on that. <laughs> he he fought as much as he could, but you know, no, no, no. But it's true. I'm glad he said that because like we we test screened the movie quite a bit with family and friends, and yeah, just like hanging out in parking garages afterwards. <laughs> like he's just like that's a it's like when you really get into it, when you get deep into your own project and he was lucky, you know, like, so he came in and worked probably like for two or three, you know, two or three months or something. But like when Brooklyn Nine-Nine was on hiatus or something, like he worked, you know, every day and he, he's great. He's amazing. And he, and we can talk about music too, because he was a big, you know, like he's a big musical person. So music is a huge thing for him. Um, But yeah, he really, really really was right <laughs> and i was like yeah i'm like you're not fucking crazy i'm right too like, it was as scripted and it's better <laughs> was it just the beginning or was there you said there were a bunch of different endings too yeah, yeah there were a bunch of there was there were there were a bunch of openings like, i think we did uh eight to twelve different openings and a bunch of different endings but the endings again like you know it's very interesting when people get yeah, so there is one, I mean, there were a lot of different takes at the end and options for when they're in the pool. They were just ripping. I mean, mm. I mean, obviously, you know, Andy and her had really good, like, chemistry. So there was a lot of, like, riffing and fun stuff um, okay. throughout. So it's like, you did have a lot of options, which is really cool. But yeah, it's like, does he... Well, I mean, I guess, like, the the main thing is, I think the biggest change overall with the film between how it was scripted and how it was finished was it was a lot darker. It was longer and a lot darker. And then they changed out some of the editorial, you know, they changed out a lot of people. um, And and this is definitely kind of like the bubblegum version of it. Uh, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah. So there's like a, there's a much, I, I don't want to say it's, I, I don't know how much, but it's like, there's a darker version where it's like, Andy is, you know, basically says he's been doing this for a million plus years, you yeah. know? And so it's like, and the writer was like, yeah, it's like, you know, like Anne Rice, when she talks about those old vampires that are like crazy. <laughs> it's like, that's the idea of Andy kind of initially is just like, he's been here for a million years. And he's been dealing with this other guy for a couple thousand, and then he finally gets this other, you know. So it's like that was that was a darker road to go down. And so they cut a lot of that stuff out. Um, yeah, they cut a couple few jokes out. I don't know. I mean, it's just funny because like the Randy stuff is great, but Randy rips a lot too. And I, you know, like yeah. I like the wedding host guy. I thought he was really funny, but yeah, he's got a lot of stuff. There's just, I mean, it, you know, it's one of those things where you just kind of have to put it all in. And, yeah. you know, and make some choices but generally 
it's really funny. It's like Ecuador or Guinea or whatever. Like, there's just some really fun stuff uh, <laughs> in general. And then also there was like some I mean musical choices. Like when he does that first dance, that first dance I felt was a lot better when he got to it quicker. So it's like, uh, now, I don't know what it is now. It's like 12 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever. But originally it was like in five minutes you get the wedding speech and then him, you know, mm. uh, him, you know, dancing, which is, I think is one of my favorite scenes. And that like, it's great. <laughs> and now I have all those albums and they bought that. I mean, obviously they bought that song beforehand. Yeah. All that stuff. But yeah. Okay, well now I have to ask, because I talked about the Genesis song uh, during the montage when she's when she's like learning about theoretical physics and stuff and that was my one of my favorites because I knew that song from when I was a kid <laughs> see I didn't but that's actually <laughs> that learning like my scene I had to fucking contact him like and all that stuff oh nice <laughs> like, like yeah and the actual sign but yeah so that scene Andy was really big on that song and he was like, oh, great. <laughs> like I don't know if we can get it and he's like my favorite thing about Andy is like he's just like I'll personally, which is kind of a similar thing to like Cassavetes, where it's just like, he's like, I'll personally write them. I'll go, I'll call, i like, well, what do I have to do to get this song? Like, I understand, like, our, I, the original music budget was garbage. It was like $90,000. And then it's like, wait, you have a Fleetwood Mac song and a Genesis song and, you know, <laughs> else, and this, and like, you guys are fucked. <laughs> you guys don't understand money at all. <laughs> Um, but so Andy's idea was, and I thought this was really cool, um, was that, you know, like all the music should be from kind of like the era of the 70s. Mm. And so he worked really, you know, hard to find that stuff. And at one point, you know, I don't, again, I don't, I don't know what's in, the, I haven't rewatched it, but uh, in terms of like Sundance Cut, there was like one thing they had to like give up. But I want, you know, but I think they were, you know, obviously they got a lot of money so they could get it back. But like, yeah, at one point we had like a Fleet Foxes song in there. And then I'm like, and it's always fun to talk to Andy about music because, you know, his wife is a musician. (laughs) And it's just always fat. He's just like, yeah, I don't know if I want that Fleet Foxes song in there. I mean, I know the Fleet Foxes, so we can get it, but it's not from the time. That- <laughs> <laughs> you're like, okay, I get that. Yeah, sure. sure. Like, you, you want all the music to be kind of like from the 70s. Like, I get it. Like, you've been here for a million years. But yeah, so music was a big thing. Um, and then, yeah, it was a bigger thing, trying to get the rights to various things and all that stuff. It's making movies really hard. I mean, I still have these hard drives here. It's also kind of weird because, like, yeah, they were hoping to have a big premiere and, you know, be it in theaters. And, you know, yeah. I was kind of a fan. I thought that I should do it. I was like, just drop the Sundance cut in, you know, March is what my thought was. But <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't get to I... go to a premiere, although I am grateful this movie came out during quarantine time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, I hate going to premieres because yeah, <laughs> it's not my thing. It's a bunch of showmanship. shit. <laughs> It is such a quarantine-appropriate movie, though. <laughs> it really is, really, yeah. Well, that's the thing. And I think that, you know, again, when you talk about, like, angles and branding and all that stuff, like, they, you know, like, very good, you know. Like, I wasn't sure that we would get into Sundance, quite honestly, um, just because I was like – but I think we benefited because it was a pretty feel-good movie. Like, Sundance, back in January now, 
was a lot of depressing fucking movies. And then it was just like, yeah, I think they benefited from having it be pretty lighthearted and also mm -hmm. short, you know. Yeah. You know, under 90 minutes. Yeah. There's at one point, at one point, Andy had a cut that was like 77 minutes and I had to fucking spit it in my fucking room. <laughs> you don't, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe that. The other editor and I were just like, we have to sit Andy down in a room and tell him like, you can't release a 77 minute of your movie version of your movie because one, it's worse, and two, it's not really sellable to other countries or whatever. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, um, and then now, but now I'm like, don't read any review, just go in blind. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, like, well, to to bring this back, I don't know if this is the last Palm Springs question that we have, but I have to know. What's up with the dinosaurs? <laughs> Do you have a theory? <laughs> yes. Um, so originally, as scripted, mm -hmm. it was more of like this, like, like the dinosaurs were originally like a break in like the time frame structure, like the time space continuum. Oh, okay. It's like things going through. I mean, that got lost mm -hmm. after a while, but like, that was the original writer's idea. That was Andy's idea, Andy Sierra's idea. Uh, originally, it was like, it was sort of, and like the effects, we, we struggled with the effects because um, we didn't have a ton of money for effects. Um, but yeah, but ideally they wanted like, is it sort, sort of ripped? Rip, rip in the, yeah, ripping yeah. the fabric of time. Um, and you know, when, before you sell the movie, like, yeah, we, it's also funny too because there's a lot of things Andy wanted to fix, uh, mm -hmm. and yeah, not uh, not able to because of uh, <laughs> you know, these times we live. <laughs> yeah, mm. you know, just like you know, just like like I was saying, like I honestly think if like we were supposed to sound so the shutdown in LA happened on like March 13th, I think, mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and like the next week we were supposed to have five days of sound mixing. And so it shut down, and then next week, we weren't sure if it was going to happen. We decided to, like, cancel it, and then I think that's when, so, like, basically, like, right, right, right in March, when all that stuff, you know, like, everyone's excited, like, mm -hmm. sort of month partying or whatever the fuck you do, uh, you know, they finally get their shit together, and then they call you, and then they're like, oh, yeah, we need to, like, get this going, and then it all shut down, and they kind of, like, didn't do it you know so they, we didn't really get a final sound mix we didn't really get a final vfx but i was getting calls about like you know certain shots like you know maybe we should do this one better or maybe we should do this one better and like you know just wasn't able to do it all right well thank you so much for talking to us brad yeah thank you yeah i'm sure you guys are in trouble <laughs> well, Ryan is. It's all on him. So yeah. one editor do yeah. another. Bye, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> okay, so that was Immortality Loves Company. Um, please follow us on Instagram at movie underscore matchup, and uh, join us next time when our theme will be better than the Cliff Notes. All right. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>